Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. 61-yard attempt from Harrison Mavis just to the right of the left hash. Out of the hole to Luke Bauer with three seconds to play in regulation, tied at 27. Good snap, good place. Kick is up. It is... Yes! Got a walk-off winner from 61! Harrison Mavis! Gonna throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. Now Cook's gonna throw the deep ball, and Burton's past the defense! Up, it is yes. oh, a walk off winner from 61. Harrison Venus. This is the Mazat Cast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazat Cast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. Oh, sorry, Brendan. Excuse me, I was um, enjoying this delicious plate of crow. What's up, dum-dums? <laughs> I wondered what happened to you. Yeah, I guess yeah. we should start out, Colin. Obviously, Missouri came away with a huge victory over the weekend over Kansas State, 30-27, uh, to 27, on, a, uh, on a walk-off kick by Harrison Mevis. And I think before we even get into any of that, we should, uh, you know, we've been bagging on this coach, this quarterback, this kicker. This team for, uh, I don't know, since a lackluster South Dakota win at the beginning of the season, it is time we eat a little crow, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. This was the game that I needed to see to believe in Brady Cook. I don't know how people have faith in someone without seeing it because Brady Cook really hadn't shown it to you. This is the first game where I remember him, you know, consistently going down the field, connecting with wide receivers, scoring touchdowns. You know what I mean? He has been a game manager at best. Really, in this game, he was a 
he was a Division One college quarterback, which is not something I thought that he was. But there's no denying it. And Brady Cook, the old, you know, I, I got frustrated with him at one point in the game because he missed Luther Burden streaking down the sideline, uh, and it kind of would have put, uh, I think it was in the uh, late in the third, and it would have really kind of put Kansas State on their heels. But other than that throw, you know, he, the next series he went right down the field. And so even when he didn't do what you wanted him to do, he, he came back and he, he gave you a, a chance to win on every series. And it sort of begs the question, has the play calling just been that bad? Because they were certainly more aggressive. And you know maybe all the people that said, hey, well, they're saving stuff for Kansas State, maybe they were right. Because there were certainly a lot of more balls thrown down the field. It looked like an entirely different offense. And yeah, I guess, you know, they were saving stuff. But what I don't understand, Colin, is last weekend, we almost got beat by Middle Tennessee State. And I understand being conservative when you're playing lesser talent. But when you get to the point where you're not going to win a game that you had put in the book as an automatic win, <laughs> that doesn't strike me as saving stuff. You got to pull out. Yeah. You got to pull out what you need to do to win. So, but clearly, this was a radically different look. I mean, the deep stuff, the, the the screen passes. I mean, they were there, but it wasn't all screen passes. And, you know, we had been a run, run, run heavy offense. The run is what allowed us to actually beat Middle Tennessee State a week ago. And we did not rely on the run against Kansas State. I mean, kudos for adapting to what Kansas State brings you and and succeeding with it. But I don't know where this came from because it doesn't look like a – Eli Drinkwitz offense. It doesn't look like a Brady Cook offense, but by God, it worked. I don't know where this has been, and maybe it's just a blip on the radar. I, on Twitter, a lot of people are looking forward to this show because they know we're going to have to eat some crow because yeah. we have no one's been harder on uh, Cook and Drinkwitz than us. But oh, I'm on my third helping. Time. This was great. I'm so happy. This this was a top five win of, of the decade you know what i mean like it was a and not just because it, it was a ranked opponent but just because because of the way that we won you know a 61 yard kick you know drinkwitz talked about vindication in his press conference i'm like this is vindication i suppose but only if it's not a blip on the radar you know what you this this could be really be the start of something special if this truly is what brady cook is and can be consistently Nothing about the SEC East is in the least bit intimidating. The hell, if Tennessee lost to Florida this weekend, who lost. everybody thought Florida was hot garbage. Hot garbage. I think, you know, much as Drinkwitz likes to act like he doesn't pay attention, and he sure spends a lot of time talking about <laughs> the press bagging on him and the fans. <laughs> yeah. But I think in this case, it worked to our advantage because even, you know, the conventional media had started to get very vocal about how conservative Drinkwitz was being. His play calling was conservative, especially on fourth down. Personnel decisions uh, were think, conservative. Yeah, he's not playing he's not playing uh, young kids. It's ever you know, all his, he gets these transfers in and they immediately jump to the top of the depth chart above guys that Drinkwitz has recruited. And so I think he heard some of that. And I think you're gonna see more players and I think you're gonna see more aggressive offense and why not i mean this obviously worked and it's sort of what Missou fans have been begging for from Frankwitz for so long he has to see it he has to know that this is more effective than what he was doing and nothing shuts up the sam horn talk more than a game like this you know and brady cook mm-hmm. clearly has it which is hard for me to say given that we spent the better part of our last episode saying brady cook doesn't have it 
<laughs> but he was well, able. I'm not to- ready to say that Brady Cook has it, but he had it this game. Like I said, yeah. one game does not a quarterback make. You know, I didn't hate Brady Cook or think he was a bad quarterback based off of one game. And I'm not going to, you know, buy on Brady. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to throw my life saves into Cook coin because he had a really good game. It was a really good game, but he's got to back this up. Like I said, the, the East is, as far as I can tell, I mean, other than Georgia, is pretty open. Yeah. And it, so we've got to back this up. It, it's true. And, I mean, I think, you know, people have bagged on us for being negative, said it even like Mizzou, called us chieftains of the moan zoo whiny Mope universe or something yeah, yeah yeah but but the thing is we've never been happier to be wrong we please mm-hmm. let us be wrong please let us eat this crow because it felt like it was fun to be a football fan again and it had been a long time since it felt that way i mean it was fucking exciting and what it also does is we're three and oh now with the very realistic chance of walking into the lsu game five and oh now i don't want to jump two games because we're mizzou and we know what can happen. But we're playing Memphis at home, six and a half point favorites. We could easily lose that game, but we could also, if we play like we did this weekend, we can win it. Then we play Vanderbilt. He's already got two losses on the record. They look like shit. It is far more likely that we could be 5-0 and looking at needing one conference win to get bowl eligible before we even play LSU who looks like a fucking world beater right now after destroying Mississippi State. I mean, and as you said, Colin, the the East, you know, the LSU, that's our West opponent before we have to have our annual beatdown of Arkansas. But the East is weak. And if we can go into the conference schedule fucking 5-0, and counting Vanderbilt, I mean, God, Drink's got us in a really good position. And it all stems from this unlikely win against Kansas State that we should all relish. And I mean... I am happy to say, sorry, drink. Sorry, cook. I will say this. Though, I'm not right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, they could fuck it all up. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, we could I'm, lose again, to Memphis I, next weekend. But not to be, I mean, I said not to be negative, but like I said, I want to, we're going to have to keep doing this. And I'm not, for as much, for as long as I held onto the Drinkwitz bandwagon, this game certainly did not swell my confidence in Drinkwitz necessarily. You know, I'm, you know, Drinkwitz said before this game that Kirby Moore's calling the offense. Well, so, you know, this off, how much credit do you give Drinkwitz for the play calling when he wasn't making the play calls? You know, what I did see Drinkwitz do was have the most boneheaded delay of game ever. I mean, Mevis, who we haven't even mentioned yet, who had a 61-yard kick to win this game, only had a 61-yard kick instead of a 56-yard kick because apparently no one on Mizzou's sideline no one knew that the clock was running, that the, the, the play clock was happening. I mean, like with a few seconds left, Rinkwich runs into a, a gaggle of players on the sideline being like, get out there, get out there. I'm like, how does that happen? It's not even a high and school mistake. I mean, it was. Oh, Brendan, it's the dumbest delay of game I'd seen since the previous series where they got a change of possession, dead ball, came out and immediately had a delay of game. And <laughs> you know, So Drinkwitz has still got his his issues. And. Certainly, his, he doesn't do himself any pr- favors with his press conferences, you know, he, attacking fans and the media because they're negative about Cook or whatever. He, he mentions the booing. Like, the only booing that I saw or could discernibly hear for that game, and granted I was not in the stands, was I think when Brady Cook got called it a design run to the outside and, like, basically got sacked for two yards behind the line. And I don't think they were 
booing Brady Cook at that point. I think they were booing the play call and the stagnant offense. And, you know, he's trying to find fire for his player. So maybe he's going to say, oh, that's that they were booing Brady Cook. And it's not that Brady Cook has never been booed because he has. But, you know, the little temper tantrum that Drinkwitz threw in the pe- press conference about being pissed off there booing his quarterback, I don't. I don't actually think that it happened the way Drinkwitz pretended that it did. Uh, and, he, and I think Drinkwitz knows that. Yeah, th- going back to the uh, delay of game penalty, I mean, they were treating it like it was a timeout. Anybody in the stands, like, it, it's unbelievable that the coaching staff, like, this stems back to why I say, you know, and I, I'm saying, I, I'm apologizing to Drinkwitz and, and Cook for being so negative after this win. But I stand by what I've said in the past, which is I don't think Drinkwitz is a smart person. I think he's stupid, and I don't think he's a good football coach. We can still win despite those things, but we had to win in spite of Drinkwitz at the end of this thing, literally in spite of him. Harrison Mevis bailed his fucking ass out. because Yeah, if he wants a cook to date his daughters, he ought to let fucking Mevis sleep with his wife after this game. Oh, yeah, at least give her a rim job. Imagine if we lose this game. Because Mebus misses a 61-yard kick because of the delay of game. Now, how does the you know Mizzou fans are amped right now? How does what does that look like, Brennan? Oh, does I mean, look like fuck, we'll I'm calling for his of head. Delay of, mid-season oh, I mean, firing, get him and out. He of wouldn't here. be the only one. I mean, like you, it had it had gotten discernibly negative after last game. Yeah. You know, the, the, like I said, the conventional media had started to hop on board. I listened to several Mizzou podcasts, which is not something I do a lot of just to kind of get, you know, the tenor of what other folks were talking about. And it sounded pretty similar. I mean, the only difference between most of them and us is we're a little bit more uh, exuberant in our, <laughs> our criticism, but they had basically all the same criticisms. They just said the word fuck a lot less. <laughs> Significantly um, less. And yeah. then one of them in particular said that, you know, Brady Cook's last game was, you know, pretty good if you don't count all the bad stuff. Right. Yeah. And that's that's paraphrasing, but it was like that, doesn't make a lot of sense as far as breaks game breakdown goes, but, but there's no point in talking about how Brady Cook played in the last game because he played so well in this game. Yeah, he did play well, you know, regarding the booing stuff and drink with his press conference. I'm not going to say there wasn't booing. I'm sure there was a smattering of booing and we've said it all along. We didn't want Brady Cook to be the quarterback, but we have no reason to dislike the kid. I mean, by all accounts, he's a good guy. I mean, this is the same thing we said about Consul Martin. Good guy, whatever. Get him out of here. <laughs> but I wouldn't have booed. You know what I mean? There's no reason to boo him. But I don't think there was that much booing for Brady Cook. I do think that Drinkwitz was getting out his white knight routine. You know what I mean? Look at me. I'm mm-hmm. defending my quarterback. Aren't I a great guy? Because it's an automatic well, way to get a bunch of <laughs> goofballs to say, oh, look, that's what I want in a coach. I want a guy who defends his players. Well, they all defend mm-hmm. their fucking players, so shut up. Well, I think he's inadvertently sort of throwing shade at his quarterback because I think most of the time the boos are coming because of the play calling. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, maybe they're the booing you, stagnation of the offense, not because people have a personal vendetta against Cook, though he has taken more grief than than most. You know, I don't think the boos in the stands when the, the offense is stagnant are directed specifically at Brady Cook. I think they're directed overall at the offense and their well, ineptitude, which ultimately falls to the feet of Drinkwitz. Yeah, I think it's but, a blind spot for Drinkwitz. And we're like, no, they're booing you, asshole. And it also, <laughs> to me, whenever I hear that kind of stuff – I've always kind of leaned towards like the, 
I treat fans who pay money to go to a football game, who pay your $6 million salary, <laughs> they can put whoever the fuck they want to, man. The popcorn ain't free. You know, the beer ain't free. Yeah. The tickets ain't free. If they want to fucking boo you on every fucking play, if they want to boo the players, is it, is it cool? Is it sweet? Is it polite? No. But don't tell people who they should support, how they should support them, or what they need to do when they come in there. Head coaches acting like they can command what fans who pay their salary do pisses me off. You're a fucking employee. In fact, you're the highest paid state employee and one of the worst ones up to this point. (laughs) So shut the fuck up about telling fans how they support their team. I don't ever want to hear that shit. Brendan, let me ask you this. What does it take for you to get back on the drink bandwagon? I mean, we're, you're, um, you know, still obviously you already called drink stupid uh, in this yeah. podcast and said yes. he's a bad coach. He's a so, stupid bad coach. Yes, I, I stand by those statements. <laughs> yeah, you stand by it. Yeah, I appreciate well, that. Um, but all I mean is, is what what is the what does it look like for Brendan to climb back on the bandwagon? Okay, so you know, being stupid. Lots of football coaches are stupid. Let's you know that is not a disqualifier for being a successful football coach. I would in fact it's like two thirds of them. I would say that most of the football coaches are actually pretty stupid human beings. If you've ever heard them talk, so that's not a disqualifying factor. Be as stupid as you want, Drinkwitz, and you're doing a great job of it. Being a bad coach, that's a little tougher to overlook, and I think that will play itself out through the season because what I need to see for me to climb back on the Drinkwitz bandwagon is significant improvement over the last three seasons, which has been five fucking hundred. I've been calling him over and over again, Captain 500. And I think he's 20 and 19 overall in his time at Mizzou. So congratulations for climbing over the 500 barrier right now. But and if he can get to five and oh, by the time we play LSU, he's going to have to get some wins still, right? For me, because if Eli Drinkowitz can work eight wins out of the schedule and then win a bowl game, I'll be pretty happy if the, because yeah, that'll if the be a dramatic like improvement. This, if the offense works like this and um, Brady Cook plays this well, he can count me back in next week. Just just do it. Just back it up. That's what I got to see. I want to see you back it up. I want to make sure that this game wasn't just a anomaly. I want to make sure it's this is what we are before I start jumping back in. I don't want to. I don't want to have my heart broken again, Brennan. Darn it. You know, I when you know we will. But I'm looking, and I'm, I'm being as optimistic as I can be now, saying, look, okay, say we beat Memphis, say we beat Vandy. We're going into the LSU game 5-0. and I don't see a way we beat LSU. I don't see a way we beat Georgia. So there's two losses right there. I think between the Tennessee game and the Florida well, we game. We can beat LSU. Well, I mean, if you think so, great. I hope that we can, but I, I, uh, I don't see it. I'm not saying we will, but, I mean, did you see their first game? I mean, I, yes, I did. That's a that's a gettable team, you know. If they if they play that sort of if they play that way against us, we'll win. I'm I'm you know, just so. trying to look at this as a as a sort of I'm looking at a number twelve LSU team, and I'm thinking nine times out of ten, I don't count on Missouri beating them, <laughs> but that's fine. Maybe no, we, we I can. Get that. So let's just say we lose to LSU, we lose to Georgia. I think we probably you can't count beating Tennessee and Florida, right? Like they both have an embarrassing losses now, but. Say you beat one of them and you lose another one. There's three losses on your schedule. That leaves you Kentucky, South Carolina, one of the either the Tennessee or the Florida game, and then you know our annual win against Arkansas. It can happen, but there's not a lot of wiggle room for me to be satisfied because another six-win season or a seven-and-five-win season 
won't be good enough for me. An eight-win season with this schedule, I'd like to see it. If you want me to climb back on any sort of Eli Drinkwitz bandwagon, and if we do win eight wins and get a bowl win, I'll still think he's stupid, but I won't. I won't be calling for his head. I have this optimism at this moment that this is the beginning of something special. Like maybe this is the beginning of Drinkwitz becoming Gary Pinkle. It took four years of recruiting and work and frustration to get to a point where like now Mizzou is on an upward trajectory. They've got a good defense. It looked like they got a good offense. Apparently they have a quarterback. The play calling was better. You know, if this is at all sustainable, how wonderful would that be? And I just keep thinking this could be the start of something. This needs to be the start of something, not just a, a blip on the radar. And that's just a, you know, just a, wow, that was a great game, but we're back to status quo. I mean, I want this to be the start of something special. It needs to be the start of something special. And if it is, I mean, it's a great launching pad for it because it was, like you said, one of the best wins in the last decade for this Tigers team who in four years of Odom and now three point something years of Drinkwitz has not had a lot of great moments. Odom nor Drinkwitz have won any bowl games. And people talk about these piddly bowl games not mattering. They matter because people look back and be like, oh, we haven't won a bowl game in a decade. Well, you win the Gasparilla fucking bowl, and you can't say that anymore. So as little of an interest as you might have in the Gasparilla bowl, it matters. And neither one of those coaches could do anything. So like, since Gary Pinkle's been gone, this team has been a turd burger and hard to watch and hard to continue to support with any enthusiasm. We are poised in a way that I didn't expect to be. I did not expect to beat Kansas State going into this season, nor last week did I expect to win this game. Yet we did. It was a top 15 opponent. It was a dramatic, exciting way to win it. It injected a lot of confidence in our kicker who'd been struggling, in our quarterback who'd been struggling, and frankly, our head coach who has been struggling. That confidence is good. And so, yeah, we got to keep it going. You know. But man, it's a it was a shot in the arm that was desperately needed. And all the parties involved need to be, you know, congratulated for what they did. And that's why and we're there's still crow. room for improvement. Oh, there's my still God. Room for improvement. Yeah. This line, this line did not have a great day. You know, the running game was not super effective. They had a ton of penalties, you know, Dumb I, penalties. I still would like to see, I, I feel like that, you know, the, the off, there's more offense to be had. I, you know, Nate Pete did still, you know, did not see enough action until, as far as I was concerned. That's, yeah, if you're they, looking for optimism, it's like, hey, this could be something special. Uh, this was a really good offensive game, and it could be better. It can still get better. And, and frankly, Colin, the defense has room for improvement. I mean, they gave sure. up 27 points to Kansas State. Um, oh, that first touchdown. <laughs> oh, I was like, well, here we go. I know. I here know. we go. Another Mizzou just rip your fucking heart out and shove it up your ass. It had a real flea like kicker feel to it. pass to the raw. You know, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my, what is it? Do we have like a fucking black cat with a broken beer shoved up our ass? What is wrong with us? Yeah, I was ready to call that witch um, again. It was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was ugly. and But you know what, Colin? And another kudos goes out because it's easy for that kind of shit to snowball on you and the game just get mm-hmm. out of hand quick. And they answered right back. It's, I think it was it's sure a, the first time in like Every five time years. Every time the state kind of put it on us a little bit. Every time they marched down the field or did something and that sort of felt like it may change the momentum of this game, Mizzou just came right back. That was when they were at their best. 
Yeah. Uh, when you kind of like, they got punched in the mouth, man. They just wiped their bottom lip and then slugged them right back in the fucking nose. It was this was not the Mizzou team or the offense that I have grown accustomed to under the Eli Drinkwitz. Well, he had a few games like this in the first season. That part of the reason I think everybody got so high on Drinkwitz is you combine the first season, the team seemed like it had a bit of a swagger, and he was recruiting, and so it was easy to have a lot of optimism. This team to, today felt like they had some swagger. You know, they had the 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 Jesse Palmer, in, you know, swagger, confidence, whatever you want to call it. But they looked like a team that wasn't intimidated and counterpunched as well as I've ever seen them. It had been, uh, I can't remember how long I'd read since Mizzou had actually scored a touchdown on their opening possession. And they did. And it was much needed because of that gut punch of a fucking lucky ass touchdown Kansas State score to, to break things open. And, you know, Colin, one of the things that Kansas, one of the reasons Kansas State was ranked number 15 in the country, besides coming in as the reigning Big 12 champions, is that uh, their offensive line was very experienced. And I thought that we handled, from a defensive standpoint, I think we handled that line very well. We rushed three a lot of times and forced their quarterback, their very experienced quarterback, to deal with a lot of guys in the, you know, in the secondary. And, you know, we didn't end up with a lot of sacks, but we put as much pressure on him as we could while still covering the, I mean, Chris Abrams, Drain and Rake Straw, those guys, we're going to miss them when they're gone. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God damn. I think it's easy to take for granted how good those guys are. Hopper, fucking every week, man, that guy. Is he? Just, he reminds me so much of Nick Bolton. How he just got a fucking nose for the fucking football, and whoever is carrying the ball, like it seems like Hopper's going to hit him. You know what I mean? At some point. Mm-hmm. So um, God, and he almost had a huge interception too. I mean, yeah. just oh, so close. Like he's he's everywhere you need him to be. And we haven't really even talked about the star of this football team, which is Luther Burden. Yeah, Luther Burden. I mean, you can see why recruiting matters. You can see the difference between five stars. And everybody else, it's it shows uh, the ball in that guy's not only you know strong and fast, but he's got some wiggle. Like he just he's a man amongst boys. There were two guys on the field yesterday that I was like, those guys are fucking gamers. And that was Luther Burden and that what's his name that tight end for Kansas State. I'm like those two guys are are Sunday material. Yeah, he was giving us fits, and you know, um, yeah, Luther Burden. I mean it. The plays are drawn up to where it doesn't matter where. I mean, part of the reason Luther Burden, I think, gets a lot of screen passes is he could have an entire defense in front of him. And he's going to find a way to wiggle around him. He's utterly untackleable. I mean, it is a lot of fun to watch that guy fucking play because and, and I think because of the way this game ended and because it was I think there were seven lead changes in it. It was, it was probably one of the best games going on at the 11 o'clock hour as well. It got a lot of national attention, and it was a real coming out party for Luther Burden. I mean, people got to see how good he is. And that first touchdown he caught, that was just pure. You know, that was the kind of play mm-hmm. that we have been looking for since we heard that he was selecting Mizzou as his team. Everybody's going to give credit to Brady Cook for getting the ball to him, as they should, because Cook did get him the ball. But I think I told you, Colin, before the day of the game, he had 10 fucking steps on the nearest <laughs> <laughs> defender like well every and that's you, if I you noticed. can't get the ball to burn <laughs> you don't deserve to be on that field because he was wide open because of his legs that's one of the things i notice about him is he's got enough speed that he 
people take bad angles at them, if that makes sense. They think they have the right angle and very quickly realize, oh, shit, I don't. You know, like, oh, he's faster than I thought. That um, touchdown he had late where he just streaked up the sidelines, mm-hmm. you know, they just were like, oh, everybody took a bad angle because he was just faster than most of the guys they have to tackle. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were in the wrong position. And I think that's not only is he slick and hard to tackle, but guys just aren't prepared to deal with his uh, skill set. I mean, they, he puts people in bad decisions just by virtue of being so goddamn good. Theo Weiss Jr., I think, uh, would do a disservice not mentioning him. He's really starting to come into his own. Eli Drinkwitz had said that we really need to start finding ways to get him involved, and they have been now. Norfleet. Norfleet, yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, one of the knocks on this offense had been that all we've done when we had thrown the ball was throw it to Luther Burden, which is great because he's a great player, but, like, you've got a bunch of receivers on this team. you got to use them. And they are starting. I mean, it's not like Patrick Mahomes where he throws to 11 guys in a fucking day. But Mikai Miller was hurt. He had stitches in his hand, but he still wanted to go. See, he didn't get any action. But Mookie Cooper saw a little action. But Theo Weiss, Colin, he's good too. I mean, he he gets open, Mm -hmm. and he's made a few catches that have been really impressive. If we get guys going who can actually play a little bit, all right. Yeah, you, you mentioned Norfleet, the tight end. God, uh, you know, a tight end sighting in an in a Eli Drinkwitz offense. If you if you start Not working the tight, tight end sighting, but a, a tight end that seems to be able to move a little bit and catch the ball, and you know, yeah. like he's got some athleticism. Yeah, you know, I like Stevens on the other side as a blocking tight end, but you know, when the ball's in his hands, you you, you know that nothing's electric is going to happen. Northleaf looks like a guy who, you know, dare I say, Chase Kaufman esque. I know that's very early to say make that sort of statement, but. That's what he reminded me of. In an Eli Drinkwitz offense, if you manage to get a tight end to football, you must be doing something right because he views that position exclusively for, for blocking, it seems like. Colin, I think before we cut to the break, we have to get to the last play of the game because that's what made this. I'd never seen the SEC Now program or Sports Center feature Mizzou football so often since, I don't know, the year we were number one in the country because of that fucking kick, the 61-yard kick from Harrison Mevis, who I had regrettably referred to as the blubber boot, I think just a week ago, struggling well, a little he bit. His, he gets his nickname back, you know. <laughs> he <laughs> is he the thicker kicker. Back. Yeah, he's the, he's thicker, the thicker, kicker. thicker kicker once again. No longer the blubber boot. Yeah, he had been struggling, missed extra points. He was spotty at field goals. We always knew he has the leg for these kinds of kicks. The One of the things, Colin, when he was going for the 61-yarder that I was concerned about is our protection hasn't been that great. I mean, it seems like guys are very, very close to blocking our kicks. And when you got to kick a 61 yarder, you got to kick it at a low trajectory. He managed to clear that hurdle. It was always dead center. You know, it was never going to be a left or right question. When I was watching it go, I was just like, is it enough? And, you know, it's funny when he was asked about it, he goes 56 yards, 61 yards. It didn't really matter to me because it's the same kick. You know, he's going to put everything he's got into that kick to him, the routine of it is the same, but it did go through the uprights. There was a little confusion at the end of the game because there was a flag thrown. I guess Kansas State had two guys lined up on the field who had number eight, which meant that if he had missed it, he'd have gotten another shot at it. It was ultimately for naught because he made the kick, and we all know what happened from there. The crowd went wild, stormed the field. Mizzou got fined $100,000, which they will gladly pay, and um, I don't know. It's going to be it's on his highlight reel forever. Yep, it's uh, it's going to be on a lot of Mizzou highlight reels forever. That that sixty-one yard kicks don't happen a lot in college football. 
Uh, Never has Mizzou happened in the SEC, always, apparently. Yeah, well, and Mizzou has been, since we've had Nebus, has been more trigger-happy with 50-yard field goals than most any college football team. I mean, That's true. Uh, the college football I watch, you don't see a lot of coaches go for 50-yarders. Yeah. You know, they, they don't trust their kickers that way. And Mizzou's a team that, since we've had Nebus, is happy to kick a 50-yard field goal because they, you know, everybody knows he's got the leg. And I, what is he... 11 for 16 now, I think, on field goals 50 yards plus. Or He seems more reliable on 50-yarders than he does 35-yarders, honestly. It's 11 for 15 or 11 for 16 or 11 for 17, something like that. But he's well over 50% over 50 yards. Yeah. Like I said, it's uh, he seems more reliable at that distance than he does with the 35-yarders sometimes. So Honestly, Brendan, honestly, sometimes I think, would I rather see him kick a 33-yarder or a 50-yarder, because sometimes I feel like the 33-yarder is what gives him trouble. Well, luckily, our offense provides him more opportunities to kick him kick those 50-yarders than it does the 30-yarders. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> now that we've got everything figured out for the rest of the way. It's all fixed, Brendan. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Hey, listen, you know, listen, there's a – we know that we've uh, been given the, the reputation as the uh, – I can't remember what stupid Mope name. Zoo. What did they? What did they? Mope Zoo. Like yeah. not anymore, guys. It's yeah. fixed. This is what you want to hear, right? Yeah, that's this right. Is why you listen to the podcast? You can't. You wanted to hear us say it. It's all fixed. We're never going to lose again. Mm-hmm. Brady Cook is going to win the Heisman as he should um, as the starter. No questions as, asked. And Drinkwitz's name will adorn Fro Field one day. Mm-hmm. In bronze statues. Fixed. Yeah. I yep. see no issues. And yep, we're going to win a national championship. It's all fixed. We agree with you. And Eli, so Drinkwit- Eli Drinkwitz is an intelligent man who's a good coach whose personal hygiene is above reproach. So that's yep. there you go. Brett Sarver, lovingly referred <laughs> to as <laughs> Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. This is what you've been wanting to hear. He, he come at us a little bit, as he should have. This is the game exactly that he needs to come at us for because. Yep. When he, when Drinkwitz was talking about redemption in his, in his uh, post game, he was not talking about Brady Cook or, or me, as he was talking about Brett Buffalo Sarver. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was like, hey, that guy's, that guy's redemption has a name and it's Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it is not Drinkwitz's redemption, and it's not Brady Cook's redemption, although he, he proved a lot of doubters. It really, in my opinion, is Harrison Peavis's redemption because yeah. we were starting to really question him, and this is the biggest kick he's probably ever going to have in his life, and he fucking nailed it. And when I watched him march off the field and I watched all these people wanting to get pictures with him and pat, pat him on the back of his helmet and just seeing a young guy – be like the fucking king of a town for a night. I was just saying, good for him. You know what I mean? Like, well, I hope you get when, biscuits when, and gravy and pussy. You know what I mean? Like all the things <laughs> you want. I feel like redemption too has a has a connotation of like I was good, then I wasn't good, and now I got good again. Right. And that's Mebus. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mebus was really good, then he got not so good, and now he's good again. I don't know if you can say the same thing about Cook and Drinkwitz. They mm. were mediocre then they were mediocre and then they were good well no no but no you no. don't get to they were mediocre then they were not good and then they were good <laughs> yeah so i'm not sure if i i agree with their redemption no uh, it's just redemption except as it applies to <laughs> yeah as it applies to mevis i'm fine with it but yeah and brett sarver obviously right yeah congratulations but, to brett sarver who's the real winner in all this yeah 
But yeah, no, I mean it's it's a celebration time in Colin. Let's let's get to where we're going with this show because there's yeah. Only one way to celebrate. <laughs> and I think you know what that way is. That's right. We're gonna take our first break and then we're gonna hear from you, the Mizzou fans, because you had a lot of thoughts on this. But more importantly, we're gonna hear from the Kansas State fans who, for some strange reason, have been abnormally vocal the last two years. Like they really hated Mizzou and they really wanted to fucking show us how much better they are than us and have always been, which I don't get because, Colin, there was a lot of talk on the broadcast about how Kansas State was our former rival, former Big 12 rival Kansas State. And yes, we have played them a lot because we were in the same conference. But to me, Kansas State didn't mean anything. It'd be like saying former big rival Iowa State. I never fucking cared about Iowa State. I never thought about Iowa State. That's how I felt about Kansas State. They had a couple yeah. of good years during Bill Snyder's reign. But historically, who gives a fuck about Kansas? It's the sh- I mean, first of all, it's in Kansas. We'll get into it, Brennan. Puke. We'll get into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ahead break. of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, let's take that break. And then it's sour grapes. Wanna, sour you wanna, grapes. You want to jam your whole fist up Kansas State's poop shoot, and we're going to let you. All right, yeah. Let's take that break. Congratulations. Yeah, (laughs) rein me in, Colin, because that's what I want to (laughs) do. All right, this is the Mazzotcast. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. back. Con, as I mentioned, we have some of our fans who had a lot of thoughts and called into the listener line. I was so excited and zoned into the game. I forgot all the way through till the very end to even post the uh, voicemail line, but it didn't stop people. We've got, I'll just say right now, we've got so many voicemails that came in after that game that if you left one of those minute and a halfers, it's just, sorry, you're, you're on the cutting room floor. We ain't got time for it. Let's get to the Mazzotcast mailbag. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Wait, so you're allowed to close downfield to your immensely talented wide receiver, and it works? Shit, we should do that more, you know? <laughs> yes, this was cool. You know, these come in chronologically, and this was clearly after the first touchdown to Luther Burden, and yeah. When that happens, it seems like, well, we should, if we can do that against the number 15 in the co- team in the country, we could probably do it against a lot of teams. So we should keep doing that. So did Drinkwitz listen to this podcast last week and decide to, uh, yeah. to actually, you know, throw the ball downfield and utilize his tight end and do some gutsy play calling? Because I don't know what to think. I legitimately don't know what to think. M-I-Z. No, I don't think he listened to the podcast, obviously, but I think, when uh, the St. Louis Post Dispatch, you know, Ben Fredrickson is coming at him a little bit uh, about him being conservative. I know Gabe Diarman did. You know, the conventional media had started to catch on to this. Okay, enough's enough with this screen pass 
go nowhere offense, you know, this, you know, keep the talent on the bench while you let the transfers play. I mean, it, it had become a, a narrative. Drinkwitz is a guy who says he doesn't read his press clippings, but I've never been more certain is the guy that reads his press clipping. Well, I'm going to take a different approach, Colin. I think, yes, he did listen to the podcast. And yes, we are solely responsible for Mizzou's win over Kansas State. Yeah, well, good. Hot dog garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> I think I heard a child say hot garbage. They say hot dog water. They say hot dog water. Hot dog water. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's raising their kid right. Well, we're just putting it. 30 seconds left until halftime. Holy shit, boys, we got an offense, but just in typical Mizzou fucking fashion. As soon as we get something good, something bad has to happen. Hey, Brady Cook, I got to give it to him. The kid's fucking playing lights out. He's playing probably his best game since that Georgia game last year. But now, Drinkwitz is going to fucking send his hobbled ass out all the second half and we're going to lose this fucking game, right? Ah, yeah, why? Because God forbid we let fucking Sam Horn get out there and air up the ball a little bit. God forbid we take a risk. Hey, he took a risk on fourth and goal. Hey, more power to him. He gave me, he let me get his fat ass out there and fuck up a kick. We should be up 14-20, but I'll take this 17-14. Let's see what the second half, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see if fucking this Family dollar, Kirby smart looking motherfucker can actually get us through this game and be a fucking ranked team. God damn it. How am I so amped up and pissed And when we're fucking winning? Because I know we're going to fuck it up. We're going to bungle fuck this game in the second half. I hope I'm wrong. I take salt and pepper with my crow and I'll gladly fucking eat that shit if we pull this off. M-I-Z. Yeah, I don't know if you want us yeah, to I play like this he, on the show or not. He's probably warmed up to Mevis uh, by the end of that game. <laughs> I imagine. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I've never doubted the kid. Luther Burton just scored a touchdown to give Missouri the lead in the fourth quarter. What's this thing I have right now? Is it, oh, my gosh. Hope. 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 I got hope for this team. Holy shit. Hope, I think that's how it's pronounced. I'm not familiar with it either. I know. I was talking to my wife after the game about the strange sensation I had. And after describing the uh, symptoms, she said, I think it's pride. Do you have pride? I'm like, God, I hope not. But Mm -hmm. if I do, maybe we'll keep winning and I'll get to keep having it. And she said, don't get your hopes up. 61 fucking yards. Oh, my fucking God. I am fucking elated. 61 Cunting yards, oh my fucking god! Yes! I think somebody might have had a little orgasm there. Mm-hmm, yep. He was creaming his jeans. Yeah, we all were creaming our jeans. Alright, last week I said there needs to be signs that don't feed me this. Fuck that. <laughs> He's on the house tonight after that kick. M-I-Z, fuck K-State, fuck K-U, let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, He's being buttholes tonight. God bless him, I hope he did. I believe the thicker kicker is getting ready to have one hell of a night. My prediction is that at some point tonight, he will have a cheeseburger in one hand and a pussy in the other. <laughs> Hopefully eating them both at the same time. And all those elitist K-State fans that think they're so great now can suck a fucking dick. M-I-Z. Z-O-U, your mouth to God's ears. I try to tell folks, I try to tell folks. Don't expose the whole playbook week one and two. Don't worry about fucking covering. Yeah, it was Middle Tennessee State game ugly as fuck? Yes. Did we win? Yes. Did we come out and give K-State everything they wanted and more? Absolutely. 
The offense looks different. The defense is still elite. Brady Cook has been my QB for a year now. I've never got off that train. I want that known. He is him. He's the best chance from his under center. Mm-hmm. Harrison Mevis has ball <laughs> the size of Texas. M-I-Z. He may be the best chance for uh, Mizzou. I agree. But this is another situation where you like, you take the Georgia game, you take this game, and then you just forget everything else. Yeah. It's easy. You know, I, I just is like, oh, I've been behind him the whole time. Like, yeah, that means you were, you know, sort of delusional because he had some games where being behind him doesn't, is like not a positive thing, but a little too chippy for my taste. I mean, like, like, like that's a lot of confidence for a one win. It's the same with the saying the defense is elite. Let's, I mean, we won the game, but Kansas State scored 27 points. I mean, the elite defenses don't give up 27 points. We're a good defense, but like the elite talk is a little bit fast and loose. They, everybody may be right. We may be a little too negative, but I think that was that might be a little too Pollyanna. For, now, so Colin, you said that. one week ago you were never going to say we may be too negative. You're, you're dialing that back now. Well, all I'm saying is, like, I'm willing to give this guy the benefit of the doubt, saying, like, okay, if uh, if we're being too negative, then I get to say you're being too positive. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. I mean, like, we may be at too far at one end of the spectrum, but this guy's a little too far at the other. Fuck to you! I mean, I agree with the sentiment. I, I do wonder if he knows that that's not who we played tonight. Fuck it, Tasty! You're gonna go down. It's gonna be an orgasm. I'm gonna stick my big dick. Right into into Bill Snyder's fucking ass. Take that, you bitch. Yeah. Fuck you, Bill Is Snyder, he... and fuck a state football. Yeah. Ah. M I Z sixty one fucking yards. Booyah, Grandma. <laughs> Is that Stevie from uh, Eastbound and Down? <laughs> I don't know. I assume so. I feel ten feet tall right now. And strong as an ox. East End and Bound, by the way, as time goes on, is fucking underrated. Uh, Maybe not underrated. Aged. It's fucking great. Aged like a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Sean from Kansas City. Holy shit, boys. I... <sighs> words have escaped me. We all thought... We all hoped and prayed that, like, oh, they're holding the offense back. They're not running plays. That was actually a fucking true thing. We still were in a dog fight. And then, from the clouds, the fucking thicker kicker remembers who the fuck he is. Longest kick in SEC history, a walk-off winner. Fuck the entire state of Kansas. Fuck everyone who talked anything. Destroy them on Twitter. M-I-fucking-Z. <laughs> We've been busy at it. Hi, boys. Mr. Taggart here. I don't want to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want to hear one thing. Sour grapes. Sour grapes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll get to it. We will. Trust me. We will be getting to it. What's up, you bunch of cunts? British Mizzou fan here. Oh, my God. We know what's going to happen. Drinkwitz is going to want a porn movie with Harrison Meavis, Brady Cook, and his two daughters in six years' time. It's going to be fucking awesome. What a win. What a win. What a motherfucking win. Woo! (laughs) 
Oh, you imagine Harrison, Harrison Mevis in any porn film with anyone. I mean, that's going to be a lot of pale flesh. Oh, man. And sweating. The sweating alone. Plumpers ate. <laughs> the plumping. Hell of a win for Mizzou today. Can't believe that Mevis drilled that. A 61 fucking yarder after we thought that a spike was equal to a timeout. First time in a while, <laughs> I can say Mizzou was able to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, but I'm here for it. The cynical Mizzou fan in me really wants to take Memphis Moneyline next week, but I'm going to be hopeful and uh, hope we can come out fire and, and, and not lay a dud. But, uh, you know, I, I, need, I need something more. I need us to continue to keep playing well. So, Frank, if you listen to the show, please. Don't lose to Memphis, please. Yeah, Colin, we were talking about the delay of game penalty and the stupidity of it. Honestly, I think one thing that hasn't gotten talked about at all, but I think was just another data point of my theory that Drinkwitz is not a smart coach or a good coach, is the use of the timeouts. Because we started that drive, I think we had like a minute 35 when we got the ball back. And we had one timeout remaining. Inside of two minutes, obviously, the new clock rules are if you get a first down it still stops the clock until they mark it ready to play what i did not understand is with 35 seconds left after we had gotten a first down the clock was stopped anyway because we had gotten a first down that's when we used that last time out and then two plays later we get like this five yard pass the guy goes down the clock keeps rolling i'm like this is when you use that timeout, you dumb fuck Mm -hmm. like (laughs) <laughs> why Why would you use your last timeout after yeah, an automatic yeah, stoppage for first down? Yeah, you got a first down, the change moving, the t- clock stopped. I mean, yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. It, I thought the same thing. It was a bumfuck use of timeouts. It was just Drinkwitz at his worst. This is the Misery Index. I'll tell you what, boys. Brady Cook, maybe the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Drinkwitz up there with Saban, Bear Bryant. <laughs> Absolutely never doubted him for a second. Yeah. No, you boys didn't either. That's right. And I uh, know uh, William Quattro's smiling down because if Manhattan, Kansas had more than eight people in it, he would have burned that motherfucker to the ground too. M-I-fucking-Z. <laughs> oh, that's right. We never doubted. Yo, guys. Great one from the zoo. <laughs> but so I'm watching Jim with his press conference and dude, he can just not shut up. He's talking, you know, shit to the fans. And all this kind of stuff after a win and sticking his thumb in everyone's eye. It's like, dude, we are happy we won this game. You've had one big win. Like, shut the hell up. Like, you're really trying to dig yourself in more of a hole. I mean, I'll say win every single in the rest of the season. But, man, the more shit you talk, like, it just doesn't help your case. Win ball games and quit talking shit, you know? Yeah, he said he's going to let his play do the talking. And I guess he sort of did until the press conference where he took a dump on everybody. But we won, so who cares? I think his back's been against the wall since last season, and he's gotten pressure to shut the fuck up, and he hates it. He's been biting his lip all year, and he just couldn't bite it anymore. He had to fucking... Yeah, he, he just had a huge win. He's like, hey, if there's ever a time where I can... Mouth off. You know, yeah, get my balls out and set them on the table. Here it is. Yeah, so who am I going to go after? Be- the fans. <laughs> yep, that's right. Holy shit. The game ended almost an hour ago. I barely stopped crying. Thicker kicker. He can he can be as fat fuck as anyone he wants to be now. I don't give a shit. All right, he can do whatever the hell he wants. I'm out here sitting in the Florida heat on my front porch smoking a cigar. I've been saving for a long time. 
Drinkwitz, you know what? Drinkwitz said Brady Cook and date his daughter. Well, I'll let my daughter one day have the choice between Harrison Nevis and Luther Burden. M-I-Z. I can tell you which one she's going to choose. <laughs> Agreed. Boys, I think it's time that somebody calls up Francis Ford Coppola because we're going to be making wine with some sour grapes. M-I-Z, baby. <laughs> A uh, unexpected dig at Coppola wines. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, fellas. J.D. from Arkansas here checking in. I sure as fuck did not have Melvis, pelvis, <laughs> fucking hitting a 61 walk-off motherfucking field goal to win the fucking game. Hell yeah. Congratulations, fellas. Uh, you know, the game started off great. I thought that fucking defense was going to show out all game, but at least they held them. Uh, fuck K-State, fuck Kansas. Uh, I'm glad you guys pulled it out. Now, maybe we can take the Mormons from BYU and uh, make them our bitch and send them back to fucking wherever the hell they're from, Utah, with uh, turn them into Baptists. So, uh, congratulations. You guys have a good one. His night did not get better. No. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. BYU. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the call, JD. Thank you for listening to. Uh, makes me think. I, I don't know. We've got a few of these left. Where the fuck's jackpot? We, you know, big win for Mizzou. Where's jackpot? Give us our little pat on the back, yeah. man. South Carolina's uh, been looking a little better too. So yeah, yeah. Well, they had a little bit of. I mean, they played George pretty fucking tough. Shouldn't mm-hmm. be too upset with that one, but uh, yeah. Come on, jackpot. Where you been? Miss you, guy. Yo, somebody should find that Power Mizzou poster that posted after Auburn loss. Uh, I hate that fat kid, a thicker kid. I hate that fat fucking kicker and the Shamanon kid with a fade. Somebody should ban him. Fucking get Gabe to ban his ass. M-I-Z. <laughs> You're going the wrong show, Bubba. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll uh, say this much. If you want to know how to get banned, uh, we can tell you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We were booted from the Power Mizzou website. Yeah. After getting it for free. Yeah. He gave us the free. Panting game publicly. And he got sad that people talked about us. So. <laughs> mm, you smell that? That's the thickness uh, running wild all over Kansas. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the kind of creepy call that uh, that we, <laughs> we require. That's the kind of thing I want to have more of. Just gives me the fucking creeps. Just a fucking chill went up my spine. Listen to every bit of that. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I didn't know if that was like the audio was poor on my end or if that was just some guy sort of moaning into the phone in a weird, creepy way. <laughs> I think option B is your answer, Colin. Well, it's time to be honest. I bet a lot of money today, like my house payment, that Mizzou would get absolutely housed. And I'm now homeless and happier than ever. What a win. What a win. You know what? Glass half full. Glass half full. You weren't crazy for betting against Mizzou. No, I did. Yeah. I've never been happier to lose Usually. money. Hey, guys. It's Buffalo Bill. Hey, Brett's was, back. Uh, Yay! Hey, Brett. Just Buffalo Bill. after enjoying my, uh, my Saturday at Furrow Field and... You know, I just can't help but wonder, where did they find the time to go find a uh, a new, completely new playbook 
and install that throughout the week because obviously it's just a completely different playbook and not stuff they've been working on all the time before. But I was just wondering if anyone had any thoughts on that or about about Buffalo Bills quarterback and coach. <laughs> Y'all have a good day. Well, first of all, congrats, Brett. You uh, you've been a positive supporter all along, and I'm sure the level of vindication you must feel over this weekend is giving you warmth all over your body and well deserved. Secondly. God damn, you do sound like Buffalo Bill, man. I mean, yeah, was he a great big fat person? That yeah, he's definitely got the corpses of several nursing students in his basement right now. If but you, God love him for being a Mizzou fan, was he a great big fat person? If you don't have a well in your own basement where you have ladies rubbing lotion on themselves, mm-hmm. I'd be shocked. But also, great win, and uh, you deserve it, buddy. Was he a great big fat person? Am I wrong, Colin? I mean, fucking dead nuts on Buffalo Bill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My Saturday at Furrow Field. And was he a great big fat person? A completely different playbook. And was he a great big fat person? That game was the entire Eli Drinkowitz experience in a matter of 30 seconds. <laughs> Absolute boneheaded fuck up that almost cost us the game. And player talent overcomes him. If he's selling snake oil, he's at least getting players who can overcome him being completely inept as a coach. My God, M I Z. Yeah, Z O U. Colin, what do you think the boner medicine worked this weekend? Well, I mean, I suppose it did. I, but honestly, I mean, really, they had to win in spite of Greg. That's right. Truthfully, it's mind blowing what this show sounds like, what it, the press sounds like, what the fans sound like right now. If that kick doesn't go through, <laughs> I mean, it's just true. think about where we're at. I mean, Drinkowitz has. You know, that oh, the coaching decisions, the timeout, the, the delays of game, I mean, he it's ugly. It's very, very, very ugly. Oh, I guarantee you Buffalo Bill ain't calling in this show if that clip doesn't <laughs> no. go over. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, no. that is that is maybe the underlying point that isn't getting talked about enough is that Harrison Mevis, he didn't just bail him out. Ha, ha, ha. That's a talking point. No, he fucking saved his job. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Drinkwitz may have another year here and make another six million, probably plus, because of Harrison Mevis's fucking large foot. Completely changes the trajectory of the season and his career and reputation as a coach. Because I mean, it was absolute fuckery. Well, folks, called in last week, telling Brady Cook I'm filing a restraining order against him with my daughter. But <laughs> I mean, I saw. I mean, he's a completely different quarterback today. It was fucking awesome. And really what I want to know is how much of drink with the salary. Mevis is getting to that. He was, that was the best kick I've ever seen in my life. And I'm grateful to be a Missouri Tiger fan. It is fucking awesome. Fuck Kansas State. Bunch of corn fed motherfuckers. Cheers. In my view, go Tigers, baby. Let's go! I flew in. This is the hanger on from last week, by the way. Boys. Okay. I flew in from Charleston, South Carolina, like I said I would, mm-hmm. to Como, drove in this morning from St. Louis. It was fucking incredible. An unbelievable game. Could not imagine me just fucking making that fucking field goal. you got to be kidding me. Holy shit, I lost my voice by the end of the first quarter. The fucking purple fans there were nauseating as fuck. I hated every single one of them, yeah. and they all got to go home crying. It was the best day in 53 years. Yeah. Well, 
congrats to you. If you're positive, you're happy. And if you're a negative Nancy like us, you're happy. So everybody's happy. Unless you wear purple, then you're a big fat piece of shit. But you walked into the day being a stupid piece of shit. So fuck them. What's up, guys? Carolina Jackpot. Hey, there he is. There he is, Jackpot. Big win today for you guys. Extremely big win. And uh, I knew you could do it. Uh, the sickle kicker, fucking A. 61-yard field goal was time expired. He's like giving a big fuck you to everybody who's talked shit about him for the past couple of years for all the damn Debbie takes he's ate. That field <laughs> goal was fucking worth it. That was a big win for you guys over a legitimate good team. I ain't going to lie to you. I pitched against you in my football contest because, like, goddamn, your fucking offense has been abysmal. It's been on a fucking milk carton the past couple of games. But, um, yeah, I mean, they fucking showed out. Your wide receivers bailed Brady Cook out of some shit today. Hell, hell if he had made some damn good throws, y'all could have fucking blown them out. Kansas State blows fucking ass. Uh, they were fucking overrated as fuck. And... Really, uh, the fucking field storming after the game. I mean, we didn't really need to act like we've been there before, okay? We haven't been in a while. I realize that's a big win, but um, come on. Y'all should have fucking beat them by fucking, I don't know, 17 to 21 points. But still, a win is a win, and a good win is a good win. And by the way, I have purchased tickets. Carolina Jackpot is bringing his son in late October to Columbia, Missouri, the South Carolina Gamecocks versus Missouri Tigers matchup. Did you hear? We played a good first half against Georgia today. Then we turned into Hobo Come Hot Garbage and all of that. <laughs> Hobo Come Hot Garbage. Anyway, I'll see you guys later. Peace. I'm out. Fuck it. Fuck Kansas State, too. Thanks for calling Jackpot. Now, I wouldn't mind having a beer with Jackpot when he comes to Columbia, Missouri. I don't know about you, Colin. But I'll say this. I will defend the storm in the field because we have needed something for a long time to be excited about. It was a top 15 opponent. That's all true. But the way we won that game, that 61 fucking yard kick out of goddamn nowhere, that's the kind of moment that gets kids to jump out of their fucking seat and run out onto the field and cost the university $100,000. It was worth it. I think they did the right thing. Been there, haven't been there, fucking storm the field. It was a good time. Great to see. Uh, yes, I have a uh, fresh order of crow uh, ready for Brendan and Colin. Fresh yeah, order, order up. Crow ready for Brendan and Colin. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Boys, what a win. I guess we got to let Brady cook, M-I-Z. They cooked crow, and it was delicious. Have we had a tight end this entire time? What the fuck am I <laughs> What a glorious day of college football. I just busted my evening nut after watching Mizzou beat K-State, Florida, taking out Tennessee, and then fucking big titty Pittman losing to BYU. Oh, what a great day. <laughs> Apologies to JD from Arkansas, but I understand. Tell Brady you're sorry. <laughs> sorry, Brady. Oh, yeah, sorry. But uh, don't stop doing it, please. I'm not sorry. He deserved the criticism when he got it. And right now he deserves praise, and that's what he's getting. But he he's earned everything he's gotten from this show, good and bad. I'll say sorry, but I reserve the right to shit all over him again whenever he plays like shit next week. You know what I mean? Like, just wait and see what happens. Well, I just felt the need to call and uh, air my grievances 
to the so-called patrons of Mizzou sports and football in particular, you fucking assholes, you quit on our team, nothing but your goddamn negativity, and then what happens? Drinkwitz gets them fucking lined out, Brady Cuffart comes out there and fucking throws for I don't know how many yards fucking shitload, I ain't had time to add it all up, but I mean, just absolutely fucking kicks ass, so eat your fucking heart out and your goddamn words, sick of your negativity, ready to hear some fucking positive shit on this fucking show. Alrighty, people had a lot of thoughts to get off their chest, and I don't blame them. Colin, it is time we turned our attention to some other fans, and uh, we alluded to it before the break. It's time I think a lot of folks have been waiting for. It's something we don't always get to do, but tonight we're going to revel in some sour grapes. What you got there, sour grapes? You got a grip of sour grapes. Oh, them sour grapes. You brought them sour grapes. Sour grapes, sour grapes. You got them sour grapes. Oh, sour grapes. You want a grip of sour grapes. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got them sour grapes. Colin. Jay Bryan should be noted as our intrepid Sour Grapes reporter sent us dozens upon dozens upon dozens of Sour Grapes tweets from Kansas State fans. I will say this, they were easy to pluck. I mean, of all the teams we have ever beat since we've ever had the Sour Grapes segment on this show, no fan base. I don't think even Tennessee has matched the sort of angst-ridden, hair-pulling, clothes-ripping, cry-baby whining that Kansas State Wildcats fans have shown in the last two nights. But thank you, Jay Bryan, for giving us all those sour grapes tweets. They're everywhere. People have been sending them from everywhere because they are such bitches. Should we get into it now? We should, Brennan. We absolutely should. Let's start out with a classic, Brennan. All right. Jeff Ruff, at Jeff Ruff, says, fuck Mizzou. Sour grapes. Oh, fuck Mizzou. I've got one here, Colin. Uh, Ryan Fox says, big difference between programs. They stormed the field. Their fans were coming up to us saying, God, we needed this win. You didn't, etc. When we won, it was just another win. It was pathetically cute. Sour grapes. Yeah, people were coming up saying we needed that win. That reminds me of like politicians being like, and they come up to me and they said, sir, sir, you're the greatest there ever was. Quite (laughs) frankly, the best there ever was. Now, I can't give you any names. I have no proof to back it up, but people were coming up and saying it to me. I don't know who you're referring to, but (laughs) yes, this type of we didn't. Many people are saying (laughs) the best win. (laughs) The sort of uh, we didn't actually need to win Sour grape is one of the most pathetic of all the types of sour grapes. I'm like, really? You didn't you didn't need to win. That's why you lost because you, it just wasn't that important to you. Give me a fucking break, you coping mechanism piece of shit. Brendan, at Tim the Virgin, never <laughs> a more fitting name. How the fuck did we lose to Mizzou? You want to explain that to him, Brendan? You want to explain sour to my football work? Yeah, I will. Uh, so we scored more points than you did, and uh, that's uh, that's called a, a victory. So uh, we won and you lost. That's how that happened. Chris McLean says, where do I puke at? Sour grapes. Uh, I suggest your mom's house because that's where we drop all our bodily fluids. Yeah. <laughs> at Moyer 5 again says... I've never said this on Twitter. I actually fucking hate Mizzou and everything about that god-awful trash-ass school. Fuck them. Sour grapes. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, I think with Kansas State, I think deep down they know that we think we're better than them and know that we're better than them. And so 
They really enjoyed beating us last year. Like, there's Mizzou. They think they're so much better than us. They went to the SEC, and then they beat us last year. And, you know, it was their fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> steal one of their lines. Super Bowl, yeah. And, yeah. and that's why they're so defensive and so butthurt here, because it's like, oh, it just reinforces all of that shit they know in their dark little black hearts is true. Yeah, I think I think you're 100 percent right. I think that this actually meant more than them to do than it did to us. Oh, absolutely. As I said before, absolutely. we didn't really think about Kansas State. They're not important to mm-hmm. us. They were not. We Kansas University of Kansas is a bad football team, but they were our actual rival. We don't care. They were about giving Kansas themselves State. credit. Yeah, for shit that they don't deserve, Brent. Like this was a big game for us because it's a ranked opponent in a year where we need to win. Right. Because we're not that good. It was Kansas State, or if it was Arkansas, or it was Appalachia State, or if whoever was coming into this stadium, ranked fifteenth in the nation under these circumstances, was important. Kansas State somehow thinks it's be- that it was important to us because we were playing Kansas State. It's like nobody cares about Kansas State. No, not even Kansas. Nobody. Jayhawks care about Kansas State. They don't even have a rival. Like Kansas's rival is Mizzou, and Mizzou's rival is Kansas. Kansas State's just some fucking backwater turd school in Manhattan that nobody truly gives a fuck about. They're, and except for a fucking blip on the radar from the late nineties to the early two thousands, where Bill Schneider made them relevant, they have been a fucking turd burger that Mizzou has almost doubled up in wins. I think it's like I, I don't remember thirty four to sixty or something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. We have owned their fucking ass. And they, these, their attitude is just like, oh, we've just, there's this, we're this powerhouse program, and uh, Mizzou is uh, so lucky to beat us. I'm like, lucky to beat you, like we have beat you like a drum historically. Yeah, we have beat you like an Alabama fucking housewife. You are, what are you talking about? Florida lost to Utah at the beginning of the season. Utah's ranked in about you know middle, 15, let's say 14, 16, uh, somewhere in the same place as Kansas State. If we'd have beaten Utah, we'd been just as happy, and it would have been just as important. The fact that they are former Big 12 opponents, I'm not going to say rivals because we were never rivals with you. We don't care about you. It factors in zero. And there has never been and there will never be a team whose colors are purple that have been important in any way in college football. Dylan Hausman says, yo, NCAA football, check your motherfucking refs, you fucks. Trash-ass refs favoriting Mizzou. Y'all some fucking clowns. Sour grapes. So we, Colin and I talked a little bit about the five stages of grief for people, for fans who have suffered a defeat at the hands of Mizzou. One of them is obviously saying that this was their Super Bowl. That helps them deal with their grief. Another is to say that the refs happened to bail you out. So this guy is in that stage of grief. And of course, as one of our other callers said, or one of our other Sour Grapes tweets had said, the win didn't matter. Um, that's another of the stages of grief for when you lose to Mizzou. All these coping mechanisms to be a big crybaby bitch to make you feel better about uh, getting trashed by Mizzou. That's how that works. So uh, sorry, Dylan, that you blame the refs somehow for losing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with our record against Kansas State historically, they should really be used to this outcome. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, at Asbell underscore Tony wrote, Mizzou rushing the field after a win on K-State is the definition of a poverty-ass program. I don't know. I think the poverty-ass program is the program that has historically been beaten like a drum by the program that you're making fun of. You know what I mean? Like, if we're a poverty program, what does it make you that we are – 
we have just fucking absolutely owned your stupid purple asses. Sour grapes. Doesn't it also, isn't it a weird sort of self-own when you call us a poverty program minutes after you lose to us? <laughs> Gary says, Mizzou coach will always be a dork and a trash coach. L-M-F-A-O-O-O-O-O-O. Uh, which translates to laugh my fucking ass off, off, off. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, he is a dork, and he may be a trash coach, but again, he beats you, so you suck worse than that. You're you're making yourself look bad, which is hard to do, uh, which isn't hard to do since, you know, you you root for Kansas State. Yeah, it's like being like him. Man, you've got a tiny cock. It's almost as small as mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the tenor of a lot of these tweets. Um, at Four Sports Only wrote, Mizzou should mail a handwritten thank you to Gene Taylor for sending KSU Nation to Columbia to prop up their unserious poverty-struck program. <laughs> yeah, it's such a – it's what a boon for our program to have check notes, Kansas State come to town. What? Sour grapes. <laughs> it's like – is this Kansas State or Notre Dame? Like, I, what is happening? What I don't. Did, what happened to Kansas State in the in the decade plus that we have now been gone from SEC? I don't remember them being the sense of entitlement. This, weird, the delusional. Like, did they win three national championships since we've been in the Big Twelve? Because I don't remember that happening. Plus, it's like a four hour fucking drive. Congratulations for traveling pretty well, I guess. And I mean, I don't know. I looked at the number of gold and black jersey or gold and black outfits that were on the middle of Faroe Field after we won that game, and uh, there were plenty of Mizzou fans there. It wasn't nearly as purple as some of these fucking delusional jackasses made it seem to be. Alec Worley says, straight up embarrassing coaching. Klein, in particular, ought to put a bag over his head after this game. Sour grapes. This leads to something. Before the game even happened, did you see all the Kansas State fans who were up in arms because Coach Drinkwitz had to struggle for a second to come up with their offensive coach Colin Klein's name? They're like, him acting like he doesn't even know who Colin Klein is. And I'm like, nobody knows who your fucking offensive coordinator is because no one gives a fuck who your offensive well, coordinator is. The reason is is because he was once their quarterback, and he was a decent quarterback. But it's the same like Klein isn't Chase Daniel either. Like I feel like most NFL fans will know who Chase Daniel is, and obviously Mizzou holds him in great reverence. But most of the world doesn't have a fucking clue who he is. Colin Klein doesn't even come close to Chase Daniel. You know what I mean? As far as like a a storied career, I mean he didn't have a, a fucking giant. Uh, NFL career that made him millions and millions of dollars as a backup the way Chase Daniel did. I, I did, of course nobody knows who Colin Klein is. Like he he literally what in two thousand fucking four was relevant. He was an anonymous college football coach for a middle of the road Big Twelve football team. Why the fuck in twenty twenty three would anybody know who he is? <laughs> it just speaks to the level of delusion that these stupid Kansas State fans have so much. At Andrew Crazy wrote, "We just lost to Mizzou. We are so trash. I'm sorry, but Colin Klein should be ashamed of himself." Sour uh, grapes. Yeah, yeah. Another Colin Klein reference there. That's the that's the most his name's been mentioned on Twitter ever. Well, these two mentions of Colin Klein rack up. The two mentions ever of Colin Klein on this podcast in its entire history of 10 years. Despite the fact that he's a cultural icon, according to Kansas State. <laughs> That's right. So congratulations it's, it's, for your moment yeah, in the it's sun. It's Barack Colin Obama. Klein. It's Taylor Swift. 
It's Colin Klein. Yeah, you some of the like... luminaries of our culture who everyone's familiar <laughs> <Yeah>. with. <laughs> oh, here's a classic from Matt LaBelle. I hate Missouri so much. Sour grapes. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give you. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to rapid fire these last couple here. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you, you just gave us Matt LaBelle's "I Hate Missouri So Much." Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to give you. Levi Cox, God, I hate Missouri. At Soup Dog 21, I hate Missouri so much. Jacob Weber, I hate Mizzou Tigers. Bob Trollsby, fuck Missouri, that is all. At Matthew Scar wrote, No tears, dude. Mizzou wasn't our Super Bowl. On to next week. Sour grapes. Uh, Justin Ross says, Fuck Eli Drinkwitz. Sour grapes. I will admit that's a sentiment I sometimes still have. Um, <laughs> I, like I said, I the Super Bowl comments, they, 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 I mean, this this team is this fan base so illiterate to college football that they don't realize we have to play fucking Georgia once a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's our Super Bowl. If we beat Georgia, I will happily tell you that is our Super Bowl. But uh, I'm gonna tell you what doesn't register on the Super Bowl fucking Richter scale, and that's the fucking Kansas State Pussycats. That's right. Well, not according to Tom Cat here, Colin. He says because we are a massive program. Mizzou got a massive win to save their poverty program. It's yeah, delusion. Massive. Massive. Uh, Brendan, I don't, I, w- I should double check this before I say it on the airwaves, but I'm pretty sure Kansas State has an overall losing record to Kansas in football. Yikes. Now, having Massive said program. that, I'm pretty sure Kansas State has won like 14 in a row now sure. against Kansas, but they still don't have an overall winning record against the Jayhawks. Wow. But again, they're a major program, as this guy would like to tell you. Yeah, I'm going to. Oh, Brendan, something else I wanted to tell you. They Mm -hmm. don't have a single national championship in any sport. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, Mizzou's only got a couple in like track and field and baseball, but we've got more than one, and uh, they don't have any. Yeah. Not one. But they're a massive program. Massive program. I'm going to rapid fire some of these, Colin. Sleepyhead says, wow, that's Missouri Super Bowl. Gambling Gaucho says Mizzou stormed the field because Kansas State was their Super Bowl. MT Little says Mizzou storms the field after being K-State. We were their Super Bowl. Here comes EMAW. I will cry laughing when you win seven games this year. Mediocre ass school. Congrats on the Super Bowl win. Storm the field. Sleepyhead said, wow. That's Missouri Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, Paul Haynes says, yeah, I get it now. Congrats to Mizzou on winning your Super Bowl. Please extend your coach another 10 years tomorrow. Now off with you to get shellacked by the SEC. So basically what you're saying is you're worse than the SEC, right? Because you lost to us. Fan man KSU, Mizzou fans going crazy over a non-con win that took the longest field goal in SEC history to do. I've seen it all. Congrats on the Super Bowl. Your ats are muted. Shoot them to the moon. Salad grapes. Um great that's another thing they do they will block comments when they put out some dumb tweet because they're too soft to hear them fuck them that's the weakest thing you can possibly do well they're obviously all living in some sort of delusional bubble and they don't need yeah, people don't poking holes in that bust bubble. my bubble 33 ksu says mizzou super bowl unfortunately cats are focused on titles not non-con regular season wins what titles you have titles. zero zero titles, titles. yeah titles well i let me tell you exactly how many titles you have right now zero <laughs> zero Kyle Conrad, this this is a tweet he sent to someone else. A little bit conspiratorial here. Could you explain what happened at the end of the Mizzou game? A good amount of people are saying a flag was thrown and the rest simply didn't want to clear the field. Other folks say it was Mizzou gear. I don't know what I saw. 
Well, um, if you watched the game, you'll see the announcers clearly mentioned the flag and showed replays of it being thrown. So I do know what I saw, and it was a flag, and then it was clearly addressed, and it was a penalty on Kansas State for having two guys wearing the same fucking jersey number on the field at the same time, you dumb shit. So had Brennan, they... are we sure it wasn't Antifa? <laughs> it could have been Antifa posing as referees, throwing flags. I don't know. They'll do anything to disturb the action. But uh, from what I hear and what I'm hearing through my channels, through my own research, is that it was a penalty on Kansas State. They picked up the flag after it was negated from, obviously, Mizzou winning their and Super Bowl. Brennan, yeah. Can you tell me this? Sure. Will jet fuel burn steel beams? <laughs> it hasn't yet. Now that Mizzou's won its Super Bowl, the laws of physics, yeah. they don't apply. <laughs> Everything's on the table. Uh, all things yep. K-State says we are Mizzou's Super Bowl. Confirmed. It's looking like this was our Super Bowl, Colin. Brennan, Brian C. says, this is why you don't play these games. Mizzou left. Why gift them a game like this? KSU gains nothing by playing in this game. Just go play Vanderbilt or Old Miss if you want to play a shitty SEC school. Sour grapes. They did us such a favor. Such a tremendous favor. The reason they get all fucking get a big fat hard on for us than playing this game is because they gotta go back to their shitty borderline conference USA bullshit conference and play a bunch of turd burgers. Who knows in the, who's going to be in their conference next year or the year after that, or if they're going to have a playoff game or no playoff game. Like they, it's insane. It's insane. Like, hey, go have fun playing Iowa State and Kansas in your shit conference where nobody else wants you. You know, like I don't even know who's in your conference anymore. You guys keep having to add turd burgers just to still feel the fucking conference. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like yeah. literally. Every year, I feel like the same. The story's the same. The Big Twelve is on the fucking verge of a collapse, yeah. and teams like Kansas State are left out in the cold, wondering what's going to happen to them because no other conference wants their shitty little purple school. Because unlike the Kansas State fans, everybody knows that they're a fucking worthless program that brings nothing to the table. They're going to bring seven fucking television eyes from Manhattan, Kansas, yeah. and nobody else is going to give a fuck. Because newsflash, Kansas State, if you live in Kansas, you root for the Kansas Jayhawks. And if you live in Missouri, you root for the Missouri Tigers. And then there's this fucking circle of about 18 certain dickheads in Manhattan, Kansas, that root for Kansas State. I mean, you want to talk about a fucking poverty program and a fucking poverty conference. Eat my fucking ass, you purple dick motherfuckers. In a poverty state on top of it. You're right, Colin. They don't even bring Kansas City into the <laughs> fold. You know what I mean? Like, nobody in Kansas City gives a fuck about Kansas State. Nobody does. The only thing that saved the Big 12 is the fact that the Pac-12 imploded first. And so they can just swipe up the <laughs> shittiest teams yeah. from the Pac-12 to yeah. boost themselves up to get clobbered in the fucking new college football playoff. Congratulations. Yeah, have fun in your, your poverty conference that only survived by not blowing up first. Enjoy winning the Big 12 now that the two good schools who are in that fucking conference left to our conference. Colin, let's wrap up on this one. I'm not letting my freshman twin boys go to the K-State game in Co-Columbia, Missouri, and neither one is speaking to me currently. I'll never apologize for parenting and not being the cool dad. Why exactly did we schedule a game there in the first place? Sour grapes. I guess to lose because you did uh, Co-Columbia, Missouri. Sounds like a lot of fun to me, honestly. I'd say this guy should probably uh, get used to his son. He's not talking to him because it sounds like it's going to be a 
common theme throughout his life. Yeah. And also, yeah, keep more Kansans out of Missouri. I'm not going to fight you on that. Keep, <laughs> yeah. stay, stay where stay you are. In your Please. terrible, yep. fucking shitty, shitty little town. Nobody cares about you worthless, worthless pieces of shit. <laughs> Southwest! You feel better, Colin? Yeah. While, Colin, we are on the uh, the kick of beating the shit out of people from Kansas, let's get into our next segment. Violets are there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story of the day... While Buffalo fans attended Saturday's game, Kansas man burglarized their homes, Boulder police say, as thousands of University of Colorado Buffalo fans supported their team in the streets of Boulder and at Folsom Field on Saturday, several homes were allegedly burglarized. The suspect, you guessed it, a 50-year-old man, Patrick Sean Gillespie of Kansas, appeared to be targeting homes in the area of University Hill on the morning of Saturday's Colorado game. The alleged burglaries are thought to have begun at 7.30 in the morning, Police were called or in around 9 a.m. when someone tried breaking into the home on 10th Street where residents were still there. Officers arrived, but the suspect was gone. They searched the neighborhood and eventually arrested Gillespie. He's been charged with five counts of burglary, criminal mischief, possession of burglary tools, and 12 counts of possession of a financial transaction device. Police say they think there could have been additional victims and urge anyone who thinks their home was burglarized to call them. This guy was an opportunist piece of shit criminal, and uh, obviously they probably said, well, sounds like this guy's from Kansas, and it turns out it was. So the beginning of the story basically means like, hey, there's a rash of robberies from fans of the college football game, and it mm-hmm. turns out it was one house he failed to rob, and they think maybe he might have robbed some other places, so call us if he did. <laughs> I, how is this news? Well, I think he did burglarize other ones, but they think he might have gotten to even more than what they know about. I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, I say the way that sounded, I'm like, so he got, he failed to to rob one house, and they think he may have robbed some other ones, maybe. What do you want to What do you want to bet he had a black ski mask on? He was wearing a shirt that had white and black stripes. He was from Kansas. I suspect that he wasn't being as inconspicuous as he might should have been. He literally wore a hamburger. <laughs> he wore the hamburger outfit. The yes, that's what I'm saying. Is he was wearing the hamburger outfit, and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> this guy's up to something." <laughs> oh, our next story. It's been so hot in Kansas. One man baked cornbread in a pan on the street. Now, Colin, I think when we do Kansas news, oftentimes you're led to ask, why is this news? Um, (laughs) Let's dig in and find out. Uh, Like so many parts of America, Kansas has been experiencing extremely high temperatures, and several long-standing heat-related records have been broken within the past week. The historically high numbers on the thermometer even prompted one Wichita man to bake a side dish right on the ground. According to KWCH 12 News, John Vassart filled a vintage Griswold cast iron skillet with a boxed cornbread mix, placed it in a cardboard box lined with aluminum foil, and then just waited for the heat index to do its thing. The temperature in Windex was a record-setting 108 degrees. In a series of photos he sent to the TV station, the temperature inside the covered pan registered 180 degrees before it eventually cooled to 110. He put the cornbread out in full sun around noon. 
and it finished by 6 p.m. Well worth it. Yeah, sure, you could have had cornbread in 20 minutes in an oven. Yeah. But uh, this seems like a much better way to do things. Again, why is this news? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I he mean, clearly had is... six hours to do this for some reason. The only thing I can think of is he's from Kansas, so obviously unemployed and has lots of time on his hands. But how did the news get involved? And what he's, he's not on social media. He's just sending these things to the news station. And the, and the TV crew's like, load up the van. We got a story. We got a hot one. Do you think they don't have kitchens? Is that what this is about? Like they don't can, can't afford an actual oven? I don't know. Like you read it. Are you, do you need to check your privilege by saying put it in the oven for 20 minutes, Colin? Because you have an yeah. oven. This I guy just don't understand how there's only two stories in Kansas. You know, grotesque murder and rape. Mm-hmm. And cornbread being cooked in the sun. And there's no middle. <laughs> well, I mean, you, just, you're oversimplifying just, things, Colin. There's always someone being poisoned by the local wastewater. <laughs> That's true. Or fishing That's and, true. and was, being poisoned by their lakes and streams. I'm exaggerating, but sometimes it does feel like there's. it's either a story about like a serial pedophile who murdered his wife or somebody had a, has six dozen toilets in their yard and invites people to come see any time they like. She plants flowers in those toilets and, and like, oh, that's news. There's the news. Just murdering toilets. Kansas man hospitalized after car runs over his legs. <laughs> I don't know where that fits into your, your narrative. Well, yeah. You know, uh, we'll, we'll read, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Barton County, Kansas Sheriff's Office is investigating an accident that left a man with serious injuries. The Sheriff's Office said about 11.30 p.m. on Friday, deputies responded to the 100 block of Northwest 100 Road after an injury accident involving a pedestrian was reported. Deputies arrived to find a 20-year-old Caden Bird of Ellenwood, Kansas, being loaded into an ambulance. The Sheriff's Office said for unknown reasons, Baird laid down in the eastbound lane of the Blacktop Road. Then the driver of a 1997 Buick Century, otherwise known as the newest car in Kansas, did not see Baird lying in the roadway, tried to avoid him, but ended up running over Baird's legs. Baird was transported to the Clarid Barton Hospital in Hoisington and later transported to a Wichita area hospital with serious injuries. Witnesses who had been with Baird earlier in the day said he was highly intoxicated at the time of the incident. No one in the car was hurt. The accident is still under investigation for some reason. I don't know if they interviewed the guy, but uh, for unknown reasons, laying in the blacktop, who could see anything bad happening from that? I uh, endorse Kansas residents laying in the highway. I'll say that. <laughs> and other Kansas residents running them over. 1997 Buick Century. Where do you think, like, in the hierarchy of vehicles driven in Kansas, where does that rank? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a go-to. You yeah, know? sure. The old uh, Lincoln Town cars are, are a big one. Uh, Conestoga wagons pulled by mules. LeSabres. There's a lot of Buick LeSabres out there. Mm-hmm. Old model ones, you know, the oh, kind yeah. of crank old windows. Ones, you know, if you <laughs> yeah. if you have electric power windows in Kansas, you're definitely in I'm the 1%. I'm guessing there's still some Oldsmobile Cutlass 88s out there running around Kansas. Yeah, and then those people that drive those Oldsmobile Cutlass 88s, they're pretty proud of what they got. You know what I mean? The one thing these cars do not have is uh, catalytic converters. Those have all been stolen. <laughs> yep. Final story of the day. The Kansas Jayhawks played on the road this weekend, Colin, and 
Lo and behold, the lowly Jayhawks are now 3-0 and on the season after beating Nevada 31-24. to Kansas is as good as they've ever been. They're obviously going to lose to Kansas State because they seem to do it every year recently. But, um, man, 3-0, and good for them. Yeah, uh, the um, this is the best they've looked since the uh, Mangino era. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, has he waddled back into Lawrence without telling anybody? No, I don't think so, and I don't think he waddles anymore. I'm sure he's on some sort of scooter <laughs> device. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he's got the beat us. Kansas is a bad week to be in Kansas, unless you're a member of their football team who beat Nevada, but everybody else, sorry, K-State, and you know anybody else who's had Buicks drive over their legs, it's not a good week for Kansas. Let's move away from that god-awful state, Colin. I hate it, and I don't really even like talking about it that much. So let's look around what other football was being played in the SEC. It's time to go around the horn. We We break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Loves football. And Colin, will you fire up the Paul Feinbot? Yes, sir. <laughs> Alabama, Alabama. Nick Saban. All right, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Let's jump right in to the action. Georgia, South Carolina, we mentioned that. Carolina Jackpot mentioned that uh, South Carolina jumped to a halftime lead of 14-3 to over the number one Bulldogs in Athens, proceeded to give up 21 straight points in the second half, ultimately lost 24-14. to Georgia probably would have liked to have done a little bit more damage to South Carolina, but the result ended up being kind of what everybody expected. Do you have any yeah. takeaways from this game from either one of these teams? Yeah, I, when I watch it, I um, it made me feel a little better about the matchup with South Carolina for Mizzou, just because Spencer Rattler was c- trying to sort of ball out, but he was his offensive uh, support staff was not helping, especially his offensive line. Maybe feel like if our defense is as good as we think it is, it doesn't look like South Carolina has the. Uh, I mean, it's just one game, and certainly Georgia's defensive line is an our defensive line, but it made it. It looked like at times. Uh, South Carolina would have trouble dealing with us. Well, I feel like I don't know what to make of South Carolina because they've been pretty schizo since the game we played against them. We kicked South Carolina's ass. I mean, it was a, kind of a no-doubter game. It was one of the best games that Eli Drinkwitz has had uh, in the SEC. And then South Carolina proceeded to reel off win after win after win, quality wins in conference after that game, and it didn't even look like the same team we played. And then they've looked like shit before, too. They're, they're currently 1-2. and two. I don't know what to make of Carolina, but there's no reason that we should be afraid of Spencer Rattler and company. Uh, let's move on to Alabama and South Florida, which we would have expected to just be one of those sort of uh, announce the score, Paul laughs, and we go about our business. But no, number 10 Alabama, Alabama. snuck by South Florida Possibly Bearcats. I think there's some sort of bull, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. 17 to 3. Uh, South Florida actually led after the first quarter 3 to nothing. At half, it was tied 3 to 3. Alabama got a couple of late touchdowns in the second half, but good Lord, Alabama looks like shit. Alabama doesn't have a starting quarterback. 
what is going on in Tuscaloosa? I want some uh, some whiskey. I saw uh, a commentator earlier this week say that you know Nick Saban had basically been the king of convincing four and five star athletes to come to Alabama and then ride the pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now that they're the transfer portal is constantly open, that doesn't this just can't happen anymore. So they're always good. They get they have great players, but they're they're running into the situation where they have less and less and less depth. I, I don't know if that's right, but you could certainly see how you know the the logic makes sense. Because before the transfer portal was open, it was so hard to change schools. You had to sit out for a year. And, you know, the whole time Saban's being like, yeah, just pay your dues. Just take your time. You'll get your chance. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder how many players would have been premier athletes at other programs who probably never barely sniffed the field at Alabama. Yeah, got lured into the, to the reputation of the Crimson Tide. This Tyler Buckner, who they put in at quarterback, he was fucking terrible. And it reminds me, like, they haven't had a string in the last few years of good quarterbacks at Alabama. But for a lot of Nick Saban's tenure, besides kicker, quarterback was one of the areas where Alabama wasn't always that great. And maybe it seems like they're kind of returning to that now. There's a lot of teams in the SEC who aren't really getting the answers they want at quarterback. But... This, I mean, Alabama, I do wonder what's going to happen to them. They face Ole Miss next week. They don't look very good. I don't agree. Sorry to say, Paul. Moving on, Tennessee played Florida later in the day. Number 11, Tennessee, was at the Swamp. Surprising outcome to me, Colin. I don't know what you thought, but the Gators pulled this one out 29-16 to over Josh Heupel's Tennessee Volunteers. It was kind of a no-doubter, especially after Florida put up 20 points in the second quarter and never looked back. God damn. uh, Tennessee, I thought, was pretty good. but they, And I thought Florida was bad, so let's completely flip the script. Tennessee lost a lot, you know, in this offseason. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Hooker ain't there no more. You know, I think Heupel had a pretty good roster and may have been given a little too much credit for the success that Tennessee was having. Because I think they, they've lost a couple of key components, and they're going to be much more human this year. You know, they've been pretty stout the last couple of seasons. I mean, Florida has looked like hot fucking trash. <laughs> and, you know, Tennessee couldn't beat them. It's muddied the waters as far as what those teams are, for sure, for me. Because Florida was more impressive than I thought, and Tennessee looked a lot worse than I thought. But I think you might be right on Tennessee's front. Uh, LSU, who we face in a few weeks, took on Mississippi State in Starkville and had no trouble with the Bulldogs. They won 41-14, to <laughs> moving to 2-1. and one. Mississippi State suffers their first loss on the season. LSU has that loss, but they're still number 14 in the country. And like I said, I don't know what Mississippi State is this year, but LSU embarrassed them. LSU looks a lot better than they did uh, that first week. I, after that first week, I was like, oh, man. I was like, if you're going to pick a West team to have to pool with, this is the one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they've picked things up since then. Well, the SEC has not looked good out of conference so far, but this week has changed things a little bit. Speaking of that, Ole Miss, number 17 in the country, took on Georgia Tech. Ole Miss was heavily favored in this game, but they lived up to their expectations. Killed Georgia Tech 48-23. to Just rattled points off left and right. Georgia Tech never stood a chance. Ole Miss licking their chops going up against Alabama next week, I'm guessing. 
you know Lane Kiffin is always looking, marking that one on a schedule anyway. Alabama is always going to get everybody's best shot. It could be a long season if they don't get it together. Yeah. Texas A&M was continuing their cupcake portion of the schedule, playing UL Monroe, Louisiana Monroe. 47-3 was the final there. A&M 2-1 on the season as well. Auburn was doing the same thing against Samford. 45-13 to 13 was their win. <laughs> UNLV, coached by Barry Odom, took on Vanderbilt in Las Vegas. I don't know if you followed this one or not, Colin, but it was a close one, and it will go down in the annals of crushing defeats for Vanderbilt. They lost 40-37 to 37 after blowing a chip-shot field goal, which would have clinched the victory. Barry Odom gets the win, gets an SEC win, vaunted SEC win. Over mm-hmm. Vandy, uh, congratulations to Coach Odom. We should interview him about it. We always say we will, and we haven't yet. But um, fucking Vanderbilt. They, I mean, it reminds me of Mizzou versus Auburn last year. They just had victory in their hands, and they just frittered it away. And then uh, Kentucky, they took on Akron. That one was a 35-3 to win. Kentucky's 3-0 and on the young Shit. season. And then finally, Arkansas hosted BYU. JD was hoping for a win there, but not to be. Arkansas lost 38-31 to over Brigham Young. I saw somebody on Twitter, Colin, from Arkansas basically talking about how in their like 30-plus years in the SEC, they've only had like seven winning seasons and only 11 years they've been 500 in conference. And they said, maybe that is who we are. And it got to me thinking, it's like, are Arkansas fans like sort of having an awakening as like a self-acknowledgement of what they actually are? Like, have if, if, if Arkansas fans started to look into the mirror for the first times in their life? Nah, can't well, be. One of them has. One of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure yeah, it's not spreading you know, like wildfire. No, they're crazy. They have been crazy. I'm surprised BYU being a religious university would play Arkansas just because of those sweet, massive, juicy titties on the – Arkansas's coach. I yeah, mean, I Sam like Pittman's tits. Yeah, they don't got to be like a, a test of their... I feel like BYU could be very happy about that being out there, you know? I bet there are a lot of players out there wishing they could soak in, in old Sam Pittman's boobies. <laughs> they are the soakers, for sure. And the, the final game of the day was Missouri's huge win over Kansas State, number 15 Kansas State, 30-27, to which they stormed the field after. Good for them. Fuck everybody who says otherwise. M-I-Z. That takes us to next week. Auburn will be facing Texas A&M as we really are starting to get into conference play. Auburn's 3-0. and Texas A&M's 2-1. and A&M is favored by a touchdown. It's at College Station. These are two teams that, I don't know, I feel like they always underperform. A&M's favored by a touchdown. I like Auburn to win this game. I just think that... Texas A&M is a letdown of a program with a letdown of a coach, and this is where it starts to the, the wheels start to fall off the wagon for them traditionally in the season. So, I've got Auburn in this one. Yeah, I like that call. I, I I don't know if I'd take I'd put money on it, but yeah, I certainly don't know why Texas A&M gets any sort of benefit of the doubt after the last couple seasons they've had. Texas A&M. Kentucky is going to Vanderbilt. They're favored by thirteen and a half over the. Commodores, I think that's probably right. Vanderbilt has looked very bad early. Kentucky looks good so far, but they haven't really played anybody yet. It's a soft entry into the SEC schedule for them. I've got Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, I agree. 
And then uh, I mentioned this game a couple times. Ole Miss will be at Tuscaloosa facing Alabama. Number 15 Ole Miss now facing number 13 Alabama. Alabama is favored by six and a half points. I don't know. I mean, I after after having watched both teams play a lot of football so far, I think Ole Miss is going to win that straight up, much less giving up point, Alabama giving up points. Well, I haven't watched near as much of you. I'd still go with Alabama. Yeah, they are uh, still. It is the kind of thing where it's like, well, until Alabama proves to you that they're not going to win, how can you root against them? Yeah, I mean, they're they, they you know they lost to Texas, and uh, you know I don't think Texas is all that good, so it's not a not like a good loss, so to speak. They don't look like the Alabama we are accustomed to, but they still don't look like a bad college football team. No, but I do think that Ole Miss is sees opportunities where they usually don't when Alabama is around. Alabama, 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 Alabama. Tennessee is playing a letter school, UTSA, which I don't know what it means. I'm assuming it means University of Texas, San Antonio. Or uh, you want to take another shot at it, Colin? Unlimited tits, some ass. That's maybe what it could be. <laughs> I, that's probably, probably yeah. it. Uh, Tennessee's favored by 20. Obviously, we're all going to take Tennessee. Tennessee. Arkansas is playing LSU. This is a game that Arkansas thinks is a rivalry. They, they think that they're on the same level as LSU. LSU is favored by 18 over the Razorbacks, so Las Vegas doesn't see it so much as a rivalry. I've got Somebody should tell uh, Arkansas that uh, they've only had seven winning seasons. Yeah, in the last 30. Uh, like the, yeah, so I maybe that. Maybe if somebody told them that, they would feel less confident. I'm really excited. I hope we beat Arkansas again this year, Colin, because I think we've won six out of the last seven against them. We win again, and we seven in the last eight. We're closing in on the better part of a decade where we just dominated them. And I feel like when you win over a 10-year stretch, it gets a lot harder to say, well, we had a bad coach that year. Like, yeah, yeah for a, a fucking year. decade. It starts to be a generation at that point. Florida will face Charlotte. They're 28-point favorites over Charlotte. Moving on, Georgia facing University, Alabama, Birmingham. They are 40-point favorites. Um, these lines get ridiculous in college. And then Mississippi State, coming off their loss to LSU, will be at South Carolina. The Gamecocks are 4.5-point favorites over the Bulldogs. Uh, I kind of am interested in this game because, one, we have to play South Carolina. Two, by virtue of transitive properties, we kind of get a sense of what LSU is by how Mississippi State plays against South Carolina. I don't know. But uh, these are two programs that I feel like. Also, a a better understanding of who South Carolina is because if South Carolina is who they think they are, you know, or if they're the team that they were against in the first half against Georgia, they should win this game handily. And if they don't, it will just give me more confidence that maybe they don't got what it takes. Mississippi State. So then that takes us to final game in the SEC next week. Memphis is facing Missouri in St. Louis at the old Rams Dome of the America Center, the Trans World Dome, the Edward Jones Dome, whatever you want to call it. Mizzou's a six-and-a-half-point favorite in St. Louis. They haven't played there in a long time. They used to play Illinois. I think for like five years we played Illinois in St. Louis. I went to several of those games. We won every single one of them. Hopefully, we'll win this one against Memphis as well. Memphis is 3-0, and as are our Tigers. Do you think they can keep it going after the emotion of the big win this weekend, Colin? I hope so. I mean, if Brady Cook plays like this again, why not? I'll pass on watching the Missouri game. I feel like uh, when uh, teams like Memphis go to the tape here, they're going to see Mizzou taking the top off the defense. And so 
you would hope that that was going to open up the running game. You know, I, you know, sometimes I get mad at Mizzou for being a little too run heavy, but uh, if they're using it, uh, getting run heavy because they've set an expectation of pass and it's start part of a strategy, especially a winning strategy, then it's a much more comfortable place to be for me. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, they have to win this game or else it kind of negates everything that happened yeah. this weekend. Because oh, they have to. Yeah, I mean, it's all well and good to have this big win against Kansas State that we snuck out with a 61-yard miracle kick from Mevis. The Mevis miracle, if we're going to call it that. But if we get beat by Memphis the next week, it's all for naught. You know what I mean? It's, it's just all for naught. And we're right back where we thought we were. But then, again, it, every game is elevated because of having won this week. And that's the price of victory, yeah, I guess. It's got to be the start of something yeah. special. Yeah, exactly. If you win that game and immediately go lose to Memphis, then you just you just deflate it. We are right back where we were. We are right back on this podcast calling for Drinkwitz's job. We're probably right back here saying, hey, Brady Cook had a one good game against Kansas State, but then he shit the bed against Memphis. I mean, like, they got to back this up. Drinkwitz didn't become a dum-dum, and Cook didn't become, you know, not good enough because we watched them play or coach one game. You know, it was several games with the same outcome. And we're not going to say that these guys are good and great until they have the same outcome, you know, several times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's, like I said, that's the price of victory. If you if you win, it doesn't matter unless you keep winning. And so um, each each win, you know, like if we'd have beat, lost to Kansas State, of course we'd have wanted to beat Memphis, but we'd already had had a ding on in our armor. And now this is, this. if yeah, we're going to do something special, we have, yeah, we have to. That's right. That's right. So here's hoping that the Tigers can live up to that six-and-a-half-point spread and beat Memphis in St. Louis. I'm picking it. I don't know if I'm going to put money on it, but I'm picking it to happen. I'm going to say Missouri wins 28-20. I'm going to say 31-16. It's going to be tough for me to ever pick Mizzou to score more than 30 points. I mean, they pulled it out by the skin of their nuts this last weekend, but... uh, the way this offense can sometimes run still scares me. We're all optimism at the Mazzotcast. That's what they all say. We take a lot of grief for being too Pollyanna. And that'll do it for Around the Horn. Well, Colin, it takes us to the next segment of our show where we, uh, we've we named it for one of Mizzou's own, T.J. Moe, former slot receiver, turned to douchery. It's time for the T.J. Moe Douche of the Week. Got any uh, suggestions for this one? A douche uh, worthy of TJ Moe. Mm, I don't know. I it's really, hard to live up to T. Yeah, well, it's hard to live up to TJ Moe's level of doucheitude each and every week. But I wanted to suggest possibly. I mean, we mentioned Deion Sanders last week, but on the other side of the coin, Jay Norvell from Colorado State. Oh yes. Um, he kind of went after Coach Prime for some reason, and you know. Like, Colorado was highly favored in that game, but Jane Norville decided to fuel fires against Deion Sanders for some reason by saying in his weekly coaches show that he's an adult and he takes his hat and glasses off when he talks to grownups because that's how his mother taught him. Well, of course, Deion Sanders, you know, shies away from the media and the press all the time. He's such yeah. a wilting violet. Uh, well, he was wearing a hat and sunglasses at his press conference and doing interviews. And uh, who cares, you know, really, that he wears sunglasses? Like, literally... Who gives a fuck? It gave him a personal reason to 
fucking go to town on Colorado State. It was a close game. Colorado ended up winning that one in double overtime. I mean, I guess if Jay Norvell says that stuff and then beats Dion after all the hype that's been around Dion and his Colorado Buffaloes, then it's one thing. But then you go out and you fucking lose. That makes you look like a douche. Yeah, it's a douchey thing to say. Like, who cares wearing a hat and sunglasses? I, I, he's definitely not the first coach to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and why you would want to give his team bulletin board material. Though I do feel like at some point, maybe Colorado State sort of rally around it a little bit too, being like, fuck these guys. Because <laughs> the, the great thing about Dion is like, no, we don't talk. But now they talk, so they done made it personal. So now we're going to talk junk nonstop. Because yeah. I mean, like, Jay Nor- Nor- Norvell said like one thing. Yeah, and then we got two days of Dion response, constant sh- Dion response, and like I saw one of their players, I, um, you know, several players making comments, and it's just like, okay, guys, if it's really, you know, we don't talk until you give us just the smallest little in- window opening, and then we're gonna take a dump on your chest. I saw Dion bought sunglasses for every one of his players after that game, um, in response, basically. Yeah, I mean, Dion is basically the storyline of college football this year, you know, justifiably or not. I mean, I think it is justifiably. He's he's a magnet for the spotlight. He knows how to play the media really well, and he's done nothing so far but win football games. So why wouldn't the camera love him? And then Jay Norville just kind of played into his, like, sort of the Washington Generals to uh, Dion's Harlem Globetrotters this week and make some douche of the week. Douche of the week. So why don't we move to the player of the game, which, I mean, there were a lot of people who've had a big impact on this win, but without saying a name, giving you a chance to weigh in yourself, Colin, I feel like there's one person who's the player of the game, the Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. Well, for me, it comes down to two people. Yeah. Is it going to be Brady Cook or is it going to be uh, Luther Burden? Well, I never imagined even considering Brady Cook for this award, but here we are. Well, I thought of, it had to be only one person, and it's neither of the guys you mentioned, because neither oh, of those so guys set an SEC record with a 61-yard game-winning walk-off kick. Harrison, right. blubber You're boot, right. thicker kicker, Mavis is my nominee for player of the game. God damn. I'm with you. I mean... Yes, Brady Cook and Luther Burden and numerous others got him in a position where this could happen. But not only did he win the game, but he saved his coach's job, and he basically cemented himself in Mizzou lore forever. Kickers don't often get that chance, but in my mind, Harrison Meavis, you're the you're the guy. Colin, you going to concur on that? I do. Okay, I, I talked you off of Burden and, and Cook pretty easy. I just yeah, I just I it, 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 he's a kicker. I yeah. mean, he, he's the biggest <laughs> kick ever. But I mean, it's like it's still. There's part of you that's he thinks about seeing Luther Burden, yeah, uh, out there like a thoroughbred stud, just running through Kansas State's defense, scoring touchdowns, and and uh, it makes it easier to forget kickers. That's just the way it is. Well, Luther's going to have plenty of opportunities to win the Golden Locks of uh, Kirk Farmer, but this was Mavis's time to shine. Congratulations, you are this week's Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. And that'll do it. Speaking of Luther Burden, did you see the little dust up that Kansas State fans are now like clutching their pearls about? Because Luther Burden, after the game, was yelling back at Kansas State players, "Say, get the fuck out of our house, get the fuck out of my." Mm-hmm. Have, have you seen the video of this? I did. 
Yeah. Uh, wah, wah. Who gives a fuck? Good for Luther Burton. All you did was kick their ass. And if you want to scream and yell at them after they walk off the field, good. Like, I'm just glad he waited till after the game to do it. It's not like Kansas State stupid fans <laughs> talking junk all week and then shit in the bed. Yeah, turning their comments off whenever they lose and like a bunch of <laughs> gaping <laughs> pussies. <laughs> yep, congratulations to Burden and company. Um, I don't feel the least bit bad that he said a naughty word to you as you walked off the field. It's uh, it's great. It's It's been a long time since we've been able to do a show like this. Yeah, it feels good. It sure does. All right, Colin, we got Memphis next week. Hopefully the train will stay on the tracks, and maybe something special can happen this year. As you know, we're the Pollyannas, so I'm hoping for it. M-I-Z. Yeah, I'm expecting it, Brennan. D-O-U. I hope you get biscuits and gravy and pussy.